All right, hello and welcome to the Creecast. As always, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. I appreciate all the downloads as per usual and all that stuff. Um, and for the second week in a row, we get to talk about some good, some good footy, um, some gritty footy, some Port Adelaide footy, but ultimately um, a positive result two weeks in a row. Um, two bounce, wins on the bounce and uh, sitting at three and two after five rounds, which as we all know um, from our infamous start from last year, we were 0-5. We were best friends with Owen. And it wasn't fun. I didn't like being best friends with Owen, so it was good to... I mean, obviously, we nipped um, nip that in the bud from week one from that ever being a chance, but after a couple of rough weeks and, and some still performances that do uh, that raise legitimate questions about the ultimate uh, goal at the end of this year, uh, two weeks in a row that we've um, answered some questions and at least putting ourselves in a position to build on something this year if we can um, start getting a few more things right. Um, and there's certainly some good signs as to what's going right uh, to start with. Um, you know, there's been a lot of changes over the last couple of weeks as to how we've approached things. Um, certainly none bigger than um, how Ken himself is approaching things from the bench, um, coaching from the bench again this week, which I'll touch on a bit later, um, talking about a few things that he came out with, uh, just both uh, during the game as well as uh, the post-game. I think there's a fair amount of um, what Ken saw and heard from the other side of the fence, unfortunately, that... Um, he may he got a unique perceptive a p- unique perception on uh, based on where he was coaching from. So, yeah, there's a lot lot in this game. So um, let's get into it. All right, the first thing to mention really is the conditions. Um, I guess it was gather round, and we were deciding to put every every aspect of um, South Australian footy on show. And after some good weather in the first couple of days, and certainly I think the last day Sunday looked like it was pretty decent, reasonable weather overall. Um, Saturday uh, drew the short straw in any team playing on the Saturday afternoon and night. Certainly drew drew the short straw in uh, getting uh, torrential rain pour, uh, which was, uh, uh, you know, I just watching it on TV. Um, I watched it on replay, by the way. I was um, traveling that morning, so um, I was keeping an eye on the scores and certainly saw that when we'd won. But, um, yeah, watching the replay and seeing how it looked on TV, I hadn't, you know, I've been to some wet weather games uh you know, wherever I've been in the world, whether it be college football here or um, certainly been some wet games at Adelaide Overland, uh, Footy Park in the past as well. But that looked, and it'll be interesting to see what some people that have been there and have been to a few of those kind of games, it looked like one of the wetter games we've played in. Just the, just the, the when you notice it on the TV, because um, the cameras usually do a pretty good job of kind of, you know, you sometimes don't notice just how wet it is, but you could see the sheen of rain across the screen. Um, they showed the roof at one point. And just how how much rain was pouring onto that roof, and you could certainly see um, that it was really affecting the conditions. Certainly, when you just see the players just looking absolutely soaked from head to toe, um, you realise how tough those conditions are. And footy's footy's a game that, uh, you know, it's funny. When I was younger, I used to actually enjoy the wet weather because, being an average footy player, I thought it brought the the more skilled players down to more of an even level. But maybe that was just a placebo effect to make me feel better, and I just played better because I thought I would. Um, I don't know, but anyway, I used to enjoy it. I just, you know, I wasn't a highly skilled player, so I had to utilize um, other other aspects. Maybe the dark arts. I don't know, but um, it still hurt um, to play in that foot. Like the the ball just slaps your hand. Like if it's coming at your heart, it's you know, it's just the hands hands hurt. The the cold and the wet just gets through to your bones and and it hits harder. Um, the hits from other opposition players are harder. Like they just sting. They just just stings the skin and it's just it's just really tough to play and obviously the ball gets heavy um even you know this modern game um and the fields are the field held up the adelaide oval pitch um field held up fantastically um considering the amount of um footy that was played on it over the weekend and 
as well as the conditions that it copped at one point. But, you know, just just as far as running and all that stuff goes, I mean, um, you know, it just, it just, it's just tough to play in. And uh, considering that, I actually thought the skills, you know, there was drop marks, there was, you know, kicks that kind of you could just see came off a little bit odd and whether it was because it was harder to plant your feet or... Or just they got they just it was just hard to release the ball properly and and, and that was particularly in rush con- conditions like where you're having to get a rush to kick off, um, but otherwise I was actually quite surprised watching considering the conditions. Obviously, you know, it looks you know, a lot of the skills were a bit rough around the edges, but you know, overall there was some fairly high quality skills on show considering uh, the conditions. There were some really good kicks um, to advantage considering again the conditions. Um, I mean, like I think about that. Uh, the Todd Marshall kick that uh, set up um, Jed McEntee for the third goal. Um, just that kind of stuff. And then there was a few eyes down ones late where they just really, really laced it on and, and, and some quality kicks for goal as well, again, in conditions that were quite rough. So um, considering all that, it did make it a hard game for the forwards. Um, I think I saw some criticism of you know Marshall, um, particularly in his first three quarters, which I think was um, actually watching the game back. It was... Couple of marks he almost took again. Wet weather footy. It's it's rough. Um, th- these kind of games just aren't the games for the big forwards. I know Waitman got 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 on the end of a few, but you know he, he scrubbed one out and like on you know socket off the boot kind of. Again, you've got to be in the position to do it, and certainly skilled players like him. And he's he's a slightly different kind of forward to the your true traditional tall, um, leading full forward kind of thing. But um, you know his first goal came from what I thought was a, you know. Um, a soft free kick, I guess, is a good way of putting it. And then, you know, kicks one off the off the ground. And, you know, he made an impact and was threatening to take it away. And he just seems to have those games against us as well. But beyond that, it wasn't it wasn't really a game for the big tools, um, by and large. And I just feel that, uh, you know, Marshall stood tall at the right time. And, and you, you just got to stick in games as, as big forwards when they're not the kind of games that are, are going to be great for you, in particular in these kind of conditions. Um you know, you just stick to stick to what you do, and any he, he was he was you know he was part of the structure down there, and and when the game was there to be won, you know the, the that big mark he took like um, contested right in the middle of a pack and just stretched his arms out tall and and let it stick in the midst there, um, and then he was finishing him off. You know that goal from the boundary is just a fantastic fantastic kick, and you can just see he's got such trust. And I think I read something um, recently about how he's been working with a mindfulness coach just about. Kind of quietening the noise around you and just trusting in, and trusting in the uh, in what you do and and not listening to the outside noise and it's kind of made him feel a lot more like his calmness and I think that's just part of it like you know it's, you know they say all sports are ninety percent between the years and and you can just see that uh, since he's been working I mean the the proof is in the pudding from last year um his great year last year I know that this week it's been a bit up and down the last couple of weeks but um, the last couple of weeks of games and last week against Sydney and this week weren't games. Um, that were really, really high-level ones for big forwards. So um, he had a, he had a great impact on the game uh, when it was count when it counted. And to have two goals um, to your name in what was a pretty low-scoring game, um, and he, he could have had three. He was, one of the, there was one that went off the post, which you know that's a matter of inches there. Um, so that could have easily been a third goal there, and, and 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 a goal earlier in the game to get him off the board. But again, you 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 measured by when you when the when the you know, you're in the coal fire. Um, I think it's really, really important to how you respond. And we saw that from both him and Jason Horn Francis in this game that um, when the game was there to be won, they really, they really took it on board. Uh, speaking of Jason Horn Francis, I think that response in the last quarter, um, again, in a game that was, uh, how many times have I said the conditions were rough? They were rough, by the way. Um, 
his response in the last quarter to after a pretty quiet first three um, was incredible in a measure of the the young man in young player he already is. It's funny seeing the fucking idiots on Twitter like putting you know three quarter time or half time screenshotting his stats and tweet, tweeting at McCain Corns or whoever else. Um, I'll get into that on another day. Uh, but um, you know, just they're forgetting the you know this is a game in and in, in, like I said conditions that you rarely see in a poor game. Even in South Australia, it's a winter sport. You know, rain is about, but this was torrential um, bucketing rain, like real extra. It was extra on top of what you usually expect from a you know a, you know steady rain kind of game. This was just um, dumping down and making it really tough. Um, and as a player like him, he may not. I can't. I can't recall what games that North Melbourne played in last year. But you know, either way, at his age, he hasn't played in too many games like that. He's finding his way, um, finding a way into a game, a game that was quite tough in the conditions and all that. So for him to come out and find a way to impact the game late after kind of struggling for the first three quarters, there's a lot of players. Um, that you know your head gets down and you, and you kind of fall into your shell more rather than try to find a way out of it in those kind of conditions and that's just a measure of I think the young man he is considering all the outside noise and all that stuff as well that he could come out and have a game winning defining impact on that last quarter among um, plenty of players that really really stood up in that last quarter and, and brought us home with a Brought us home with um, quite a strong uh, final final finish with I think the last four goals of the game to win it so um it is disappointing to see just how um, how visceral and um, and disgusting the treatment from over the other side of the fence is. And I, was, and I mentioned earlier uh, when I was opening up about Ken Hinckley and his bench coaching, and I think I do wonder if um, his coaching from the bench, this change he's brought in in the last two games, if that response that he had in the press conference, and I really rate it, and you know, we've, there's been plenty of talk about Ken Hinckley's coaching and, and what the future holds. Um, and and just what the immediate future holds with the next few weeks and, and how he's going to respond in many ways um, and, you know, what the overall future, like the macro levels of where Port Adelaide's going. Um, but what we can... And, you know, I've, I've legitimately raised those questions myself and I still, you know, if someone said to me, you know, you have to answer this question, is will Ken Hingley win a premiership as the coach of Port Adelaide? I don't believe so, but I'm, not, I'm open to the idea of him changing my mind as well. Like, it's just being a mature human, I think. Um, but I will say his response in the last two weeks has been fantastic. I think the coaching from the bench move, um, you know, there's all the you know rumours about whether it's a, a succession plan or whatever. I'm just not going to get into that right now. I think he's he's found a new way. I think you know he's always been a players coach, and the players you know repeatedly tell us that they believe in him as a coach and respect his respect his vision and all that. Um, but he's been able to find a new way in in the game in the game day situation to really getting his message across. And you can see, again, there was multiple visions of um, him talking to players on the sideline, including Jason Horn Francis on the bench and and others, and, you know, getting really, you know, his celebrations on the bench when someone takes a mark or whatever and he's sitting there on the bench amongst the players. And and I do wonder if among that he's... Um, his perspective of seeing how the crowd was treating Horn Francis was a little bit different compared to if he had been in the box. Like, would he have, would the noise have been a little bit more nullified by, you know, just being in the box and that, that situation versus being right down there on the bench and hearing it um, at ground level, kind of hearing it how the crowd and the, and the players certainly hear it. Um, and his response in that press conference was perfect. Um, I think there was, and it's, it's funny, we do, you know, you often hear people talking about, um, you know, Twitter has always had the, uh, especially the last few years, the um, what is it, the Port Adelaide press conference bingo or whatever. Like, which which trotted out lines are going to be said? 
and we got something different from him today uh, today um on the weekend um we got a response that was impassioned um and whether he'd had it in his mind for a couple of weeks with you know after the collingwood and, and it had been stirring and it just it kind of all came out you know he may have had you know i'm not going to say it was scripted um because i don't think it, i think it came from the heart but i think he's had this this has been bubbling for a couple of weeks i think probably since the collingwood one probably really brought it on um, and then he probably just sat there and like in a home game and is, i guess you could say it's the ugly side of gather around as you get there's you get you probably had a f- larger percentage of opposition supporters amongst the crowd um that were there to you know, gather around was a festival atmosphere and a and a celebration and a party and and you know a few people and like every party there's going to be a few dickheads around that kind of kind of ruin the vibes a little bit. And I think we just copped that a little bit in this game with just enough enough in the crowd that could make a bit of noise. And, and as Ken said, it's disgusting. It's a 19 year old kid. Um, the the whole circus around it is just ridiculous. Um, again, I'll get into the larger side of that. Um, on another day and another just separate and keep it to the game but it, it's it's a frustrating thing and I think that response from Ken there is just another sign to his overall game day coaching philosophy is somewhat he's got he's getting a little bit more personal with the players in a positive way in trying to trying to affect the game day change that you know the immediate change quarter to quarter and and minute to minute that can happen and and it was his response, and he's getting a different view of the game, which clearly I think that response to the Horn Francis booing and all that stuff was a part of that. And um, and I really respect uh, how Horn Francis has taken it on board. I really hope he's, um, you know, the club seems to be supporting him, and I, and I trust that they are, and putting their arms around him and making sure the kind of outside noise just does stay as that outside noise. But you can't help but hear it. Um, and I've seen plenty of players um, talk about how, you know, you know your own, your worst thoughts that you can have about yourself um, as an everyday person. Um, that's what these people get as abusive messages and hundreds upon hundreds. And I'm sure Horn Francis cops it on his Instagram or whatever. And and it's unfortunate. And I just hope that the the club is in indeed kind of supporting him because we'd hate to see him. You know, the worst case scenario is gets driven from the game for it. And um, you know, as a Port fan, I don't want to see that because I think he's incredibly talented. But to, but just as a human. You don't want to see that either because that's just um, just despicable human behaviour that you can that some a group of people can have an effect on someone to that point. So we'd hope we don't see it. We you know we've seen it before with the um, Adam Good stuff, which was equally disgusting. And you know people go, oh, I just boo because I don't like him. And it's like no, this this is like this is systemic booing. It's not just an isolated isolated incident. It's it's a systemic thing, and it's and it's just it's just disgusting. So just don't do it. Um, you know, I think I've only booed one person once in the last few years at a game, and that was Tex once last year when he got the ball, and I was booing because he was racist. So that's entirely different. Um, but even then, I just I couldn't, didn't carry on with it. Like the first one, I was just like, oh, this will be a bit of fun. But then it was just after that, I was just like, no, he's he knows he knows who he is. Um, that's fine. So yeah, that's um, probably the biggest negative of the night, I guess. I mean, there was it was a close game, and and the Bulldogs had our look like they'd get ahead um, and kind of find a way forward a bit, but kind of like last week. And I was really impressed again. I guess this is two weeks in a row where we've been challenged. And, and in previous weeks, um, obviously the showdown is the biggest example of this as a negative example. When we got challenged in that last quarter in the showdown, we kind of wilted and we and we fell to the pressure. And um, considering it was a home showdown, it wasn't like as much pressure as it could have been the other way around, but we wilted and it wasn't, it wasn't, it was ugly to watch. It was embarrassing to watch. And it was a real 
line in the sand moment, hopefully, um, when we see the response we've had the last couple of weeks. Because against Sydney, we went down 20 points twice, um, or 20-plus points. I can't remember what the exact margins at the at twice in that game. But, you know, and that was a game where I, I've said last week and this week again, I'll say that, you know, we were probably lucky to be in that game at multiple times. But that's the response you've got to have. You've got to kind of take the challenge on board and 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 respond. And I, I, and I see that in the Sydney game. And again this week, we, we got ahead and then they came back. Um, and we got ahead again and then they came back and, you know, early in the... Um, or late in the third quarter and early last quarter, we were down. And at, down by over a goal as well in wet weather conditions where sometimes, you know, just scoring a couple of goals in a quarter can be quite difficult. But we... We pressed, and in that last quarter, I think we had most of the possession. We were really controlling the game, and we made it count too. You know, like I said, Todd Marshall already stood up big, and then you have Dersma, um, and Dersma is another one. Again, I gave him a lot of plaudits last week, but um, he again just looks like he's so much, he's so ready for the contest. And a game that was dirty and hard to play, um, and skills are at a premium. Like Dersma just looked like he wanted to be a part of the contest again, which is really good to see. I know it's not like I don't think he wanted to be last year or. Or anything, but you could just see last year the injury was, and he was he was a bit inside his own head. But this year, um, he's tr- he's kind of trusts his body again, and you can just see like again, that that contest to get that free kick for the goal that he put through, and there was a real impassioned uh, bow and arrow launch there as well, which I love to see. Um, just getting right up in there and, and causing a player to to make a play on him um, that results in a free kick and a very clear free kick that one. You know, that hold was that hold was there for all to see. Um, a clutch kick again. He had one last week, and he has one this week. And then um, and Butters as well. Butters best game for two years, I think, for us. Um, I think since maybe that Essendon game in early 2021 when he had 36 disposals. I think this might be his second best game um, in numbers. Uh, actually, no, I think there was another. I had a quick look at his um, stats earlier, and I think he's got another 32 disposal game, which might have been last year. Um, but I think this just as far as his impact on the game. Um, and his ability to break the lines, and, and really in a game that was again tough conditions. God, I gotta have a dollar for every time I say I've said that in this podcast. But um, his kind of his kind of clean use, and and again I said last week his ability to get his like ball ball to foot is incredibly fast and slick, and, and one of the fastest in the league. But this this week there was a couple of moments where his you know handball chains just incredibly quick on the handball, and they look, they look like dry weather handballs too. He was really moving the ball on quick. Again, in tough conditions, and and that's what I want to emphasise is like he had a game like this, and in a game that really didn't look like the kind of game someone could have that impact, but he did. And uh, I found it interesting. He missed that goal earlier in the game, which was to be fair, he should he should be kicking that. But again, tough conditions. Um, and at the mo- at the time, the the uh, commentator brought up, and I haven't actually checked to see if the commentator was right, but his his stat at least that he brought up was that. Um, Butters in six games hadn't scored a goal against the Bulldogs yet and, and watching the replay knowing what happened I immediately just wrote Chekhov's gun um, which if you don't know that saying from English it's um, you know if a gun is shown earlier in, in a movie or a play or whatever it's it's you know it's obviously going to be used later on and uh, <laughs> I thought that, that commentary moment was a Chekhov's gun of this game because um, obviously Butters with the the last kick, the last goal of the game, <laughs> the the kick that seals it. He, you know, and and a, in a play that really emphasises um, everything that we love about Zach Butters is like it was a a standard kind of kick out of defence. You know, one of those kicks that we see 
you know, 50 times a game where the player in the square kind of kicks it to the guy that's coming in from the, you know, the 40 flank and, and, and it usually is just a mark and a, and a standard player that we don't even think about at the end of the day. But Butters saw his moment um, in the game, you know, you could your legs are going to be fatigued at this point, but he ran like a, you know, <laughs> like a bullet, bullet, a red flag and just absolutely, and cut the kick off, gathers and then runs around and snaps around the body. It was just classy. Just everything you love about Butters is his tenacity his um his just never say die kind of energizer bunny attitude and, and then a classy finish as well which he's got in his bag he's got it in his kick bag he's I was surprised when he missed the one earlier in the game because I think that was that was one of those goals that you see him kick 99 times out of 100 so but he made it count at that point and and essentially sealed the game with um I think it was about two minutes to run and we were 15 points up you know it's not it's not you know they could if they went out of center square and kicked one straight away then you, you're starting to sweat a little bit but essentially it more or less sealed the game and um was fantastic. So, you know, his best game for us, like I said, for me since 2021, just as his impact and what was a tough game, um, you know, disposal numbers and all that, you know, it's not his best game by disposal numbers, but I think, you know, it's equal to that Essendon effort considering the game, considering the conditions, um, how we've been traveling of late and all that stuff. And just, and especially since, you know, he's had injuries since and, and he's getting back to that kind of form that we, we know he had at that point. So, you know, he, if he continues on this kind of level, he'll find himself um, touching the All Australian Forty, if not better, again, because he's really, he's really starting to take his chances. As as we kind of wrote, as we find this new age of the midfield. Um, I was really impressed with it. I can't say enough about what he's doing at the moment. I'm really impressed. Um, another one that I have to say is just fantastic. Alir. I mean, two weeks in a row, he's had a game-saving play around the goals. You know that got that that. Um, I mean, before we get to even him t- um, kind of containing Norton when it looked like Norton was just going to gather and, and goal with, from two metres out, um, within the first three quarters, there was just multiple marks where the, the Bulldogs were trying to pump inside the forward 50 and they were getting, dis- they were getting um, penetrating kicks that were going right to the square. And Aaliyah was just... And he was one out um, and he was just fighting off his defense, his, his immediate opponent and taking, a, taking an intercept mark. He took multiple ones like that down there. Um, you know, there was a game. There was a tackle. There was a tackle on Norton on the on the. Uh, I think on the, like the our defensive halfback flank um, where he gets a um, gets a holding the ball. I think. I'm trying to think if that was him, but anyway. Um, and then there was the game saving tackle, which was the and you know for a second it looked like Norton had gotten away, and and there's a lot of defensive players depending on who's in that situation, that just sometimes don't have the athletic ability. Um, you know, because I know Elias is tall and lanky, but he does have he does have a fleet of foot and, and a tenacity to just stay in the contest. And, and you know, Norton was trying to gather, and he, whether it's he could hear, he knew that Elias was quite right there, because I, I was still surprised that he wasn't able to gather and then at least get a kick on the ball, whether the pressure would have made it, you know, shank or whatever. But he wasn't even able to do anything like that. And it was just the tenacity of Elias and his ability um, to... And it's just his passion for the game and... and and for the contest and for the cause, um, again, was that show there. And it's just, you know, his never-so-die attitude, you know, which was on the show last week and that, um, you know, just with reading that ball all the way rather than just giving up on it because it looked like a good kick. Um, and this one just, you know, not re- not giving up even though you kind of giving him a step when he when he kind of, kind of got away from you for a second there and, and continue to stay in the contest. So, again, good signs because... 
like I said, their response for those couple of weeks of really rough games and rough losses was we wanted to see the response. And you're seeing it from individuals like that, Nalia, over the last couple of weeks. Um, Dersmer and Butters really finding it. Um, Horn Francis, after a rough couple of quarters, um, you know, really finding the ball and, and making decisive decisions. So, yeah, just there's just a lot to love about it. Um, you know, there's a lot to a lot to fix still. You know, where these are two close close results, but um, you've got to take the positives out of it and just say that there's a response there. Um, and I'll, I'm about to get into a couple of stats here again that um, highlight just how Valve turns around. Um, they're not blowing us out of the water these stats or anything like that, but they're just they're a turnaround from what we'd seen over those couple of losses. Now the first one just to look at quickly, I've already mentioned that disposal efficiency for me was at a reasonable level considering the conditions and um, just having a look at the stats, it kind of reads that way as well. Our season average so far is 70.9. Uh, we were at 66.3 for the match. Um, the Bulldogs are at 71.4, which is uh, below a, percent, a percentage point below where they're at for this season. So that's um, a, a really greater i mean greater from both sides really in a game that again the conditions were rough um but the the efficiency inside 50 was the real uh, key for the game uh bulldogs running at um just a 33 percent whereas we we're at 47 and a half um just below our season average of 49.8 whereas their season average is 39 and a half so they're, they're having a rough year in that that department anyway but it was even rougher in this game um this the other one that I really... And the inside 50s were 57 to 51 as well. So we kind of um, made that work. But again, the one that I, I touched on last week when we, we beat Sydney by nine, uh, nine contested possessions this week, we were up um, plus eight on the Dogs. And, you know, the Dogs' um, history against us has been, over the past couple of years, has been a bit rough in that in that department. And certainly we don't need to go over the uh, 2021 prelim again. But um, to beat a side that... Um, you know, the likes of Bon and Pelly and all that that are running around in there. I know they were missing Smith on the night, but, you know, just to, the contest is what we were really wanting to see um, our, our team improve at after those the kind of diabolical showdown loss and, and certainly um, the, the record loss um, of the contested ball against Collingwood. Uh, it's really good to see that. And we won the turnover battle as well. We were um, well, minus seven on what uh, uh, Western Bulldogs put out there. So, you know, again, in a game that... Um, Certainly, the turnover percent, the turnovers are based on, you know, our season average is 64, we had 82. Um, their season average is 77, they had 89. So the turnovers were more prevalent in this game. Again, conditions, that's why. You know, it doesn't not going to take you a rocket scientist to figure that one out. But um, again, just to win all these little battles of um, where it comes down to, you know, where it's contested ball um, and, and turnovers. And the other one that I really want to look at as well. Uh, marks inside 50 even which is great um, you know we're, we're starting to get a few more like you know the spin again it wasn't a game for taking a higher percentage of marks inside 50 but we were able to at least match their output um, and the other one that's really big and my favorite one of the night is uh, 75 tackles uh, to 58 um, so our season averages are actually between the two sides we're at 59.4 they're at 59 so we're a pretty evenly matched um, numbers uh, you know four tackles in a game in a game but um and we've actually probably upped that to that point with our output in this game, which is plus 17. So we were, we were, we were ch- in, in a game that was there, really required us to be hard at the contest and, and sacrifice the body a little bit. We were willing to do that. And that's, again, a little bit of a sign of growth from the, again, the, the rough showdown loss. Um, you know, this is what we wanted to see over the next couple of weeks was a response. Um, if we, and then, again, even after the Sydney game, we wanted to see a response to the response because it's consistency and, and continuing to have that fight and battle and not resting in your laurels that we need to see from this side. So, again, 
good signs against a team, a quality side. The Western Bulldogs are a quality side. Where, the, where they're going to be at this year, I'm not exactly sure. You know, they kind of had a rough year last year trying to back up from a grand final appearance and and uh, and we're not exactly sure where they're going to be here this year. But they're, they're certainly top eight material um, if they can, you know, stay fit and all that stuff. And they had, I think, Josh Bruce, um, they've redeployed down defense. Um, I think he's got a rib issue or something like that. So where, how are they going to go? With that, who knows? But you know, they're a side that there are they are a quality side to match up against, and these these kind of good conditions, they're kind of the you know it was you know top Liberatore's two hundred game and all that stuff. You know, the kind of players they've got out there, this is the kind of game that they um, you'd feel that they kind of would back themselves in, and we kind of took the contest to them, and and I'm really proud of that effort. So um, yeah, one thing I do want to touch on, and I and I know people have brought it up, and I need to bring it up. And look, I love Scott Lysett. Um, I think he's he's a he seems like a good guy to have around the squad. I think he's popular, and um, and they do like him. But again, he had I mean he got subbed out midway through the third quarter, I think, and that's not a good sign for what the coaching's seeing. I think. Um, and when we look at the hit out numbers, Lysett had 15 for the game. Dixon had 14. You know, so you, your second ruckman in Dixon is almost matching your output. Finlayson had eight. Team Team English just looked fitter and 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 more useful around the ground as well but he had 27 hit outs and lob his second in command i guess had 15 so his you know the second in command in the in the in the ruck battery at the western bulldogs had equaled our starting ruckman's output so and the overall hit out battle i think they won plus six or something and that was probably aided by the fact that dixon and finlayson took over finlayson had eight as well and he kind of got more involved in the game once they subliced it out you know needing to have a little bit more involvement in that front as well it's it's concerning and it and it sucks because I don't license what twenty nine thirty I think like you know there's plenty of ruckmen that get around for a lot more years than that but it's just I don't know if there's a conditioning thing or if there's anything that we can change on that front or if it's just that his legs have gone a little bit and he doesn't have kind of the around the ground ability to to make up for it I don't know because we've seen guys like Sanderlands and Goldstein go on for years and they they kind of similarly you know Sanderlands and Goldstein are very tall you know similar body like you know long legs and it's and it's a bit rough to get around the ground sometimes particularly in these conditions and i will give him that that um these conditions for a player of his stature and kind of how he moves these conditions are really not going to be helpful for him team english just does seem a little bit more young and spry and 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 has just a natural more natural athletic ability um and english has certainly turned turned himself into one of the best ruckmen in the comp i think over the last year and a half so you know it's no surprise that he lost the battle but it is a concern that we having lysett um seem to not be we just can't get him involved in the game enough, and he's a, and you know he's and the, the hit out battle is starting to be lost as well. Because if he was if he was dominating in that, we were having to sacrifice a bit of our own ground. But it's like we're not getting anything from either factor of his game, and that's a real concern to me. And like I said, I say that I'm not trying to beat down on the bloke. I want to see. I'd love to see him, but whether he needs a bit of a run in the twos and and to find a little bit of form, or just to have a have a little bit of if there's any you know if there's any niggling issues there if he's you know playing through some soreness or something like that maybe he just needs to get that right and have a you know get the body right a little bit and come back for the second half of the season and, and have a run with some time in the legs I don't know um, and then you know Hayes seems to be out of the picture I I assume from the from the AFL from the AFL side as far as um, giving him a run so whether and then Tickle I don't know what what's happening in training as to what they're seeing from him that they still don't see see him as right and 
And to be fair, I think they they look and see Dixon and Finlayson really battling, and then obviously their around the ground ability. You know, Dixon and Finlayson up forward can kick goals, and they can mark and can have decisive impacts on all facets of the game. You know, Finlayson was a 44 goal forward at the GWS when they made a grand final, and Dixon was an All Australian centre forward in um, you know in 2020 and. And obviously, we know that you know, a lot of his underrated aspects around the ground as well. So I think that Port have really started to see that. And you know, you look at Geelong last year winning the grand final decisively and 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 really dominated this three quarters of the season. And they, it's not like they've got like a, a they kind of ran with a Bruck battery as well a little bit that um, that they trusted and they wanted the guys that could play around the ground a little bit more as well and maybe Port just needs to do that while they've got Dixon and Finlayson fit and like I said I've said before I really I struggle with Dixon in the ruck just because I'm more worried about his fitness because he does have you know he's had those lower leg injuries in the past but he seems to be going all right with it lately I know he had a I think he's got a knee niggle that's I think listed in the injury report as an assess after this game which if you've missed that um yeah Dixon has a knee niggle um but it's just as assess and he he had it worked on on the sidelines and then came back on for the last bit of the game so whether he's going to need a week out just to make sure it settles or um or he's just gonna be fine to go I think I'd, I'd let bet on him being fine to go but I'm certainly not gonna put any money on it but um yeah that's just one area of concern that continues probably more at, you know, there's, there's a lot of things. There was defense, there was a little, you know, the defensive structure um, worked in this game overall. Uh, there is, there was, you know, there's still defensive breakdowns that happened. Like I remember Waitman slipping out um, for, I think his first goal. Um, actually, yeah, that's what I, was, I said earlier. His first goal was from a soft free kick, but I think it was actually from a soft defensive play. Um, I'll, I'll correct that on pod as I go. Um, that's what I was trying to think of. Um, yeah, we you kind of saw Burton, who was his direct opponent, and Williams were looking um, left side, and and Waitman kind of, and Burton knew that Waitman was with him, but then he kind of kept his eye, he was ball watching too much, and didn't realise Waitman had completely slipped out, kind of into that forty five angle um, space, and then took a mark with you know not a port player within ten metres of him, and it's that kind of stuff that we need to make sure that you know the structure. But overall, I think um, with Mackenzie coming in, and and you know we were, we sacrificed a bit of size this week, and and certainly, I wonder if um, when the selections came, they already knew the conditions were what it was going to be, and we're betting on that a little bit. Um, and then the ability to maybe throw someone, one of the guys that you know Dixon and Co will you know move down back if the pressure's on. But you know, I do still wonder where we're going what's going to happen going forward with the defensive structure because you know Jonas if he can, if Jonas is legitimately just dealing with some a grumbly knee as it was called then and he comes can come back in and be a little bit more on form compared to what his start to the season has been then that'll be a plus um where Cleary's at I'm a bit confused by how we're kind of <laughs> he just seems to be out of the picture at the moment which um for a player of his talent um right up until I reckon it's that I guess actually that cheekbone injury against the dogs a couple of years ago. It seems like he's just been in and out since, but we certainly seem to find a, a structure. Whether it, you know we sacrifice in the one on ones and, and and tools will give us a little bit of trouble still, but as far as the structure goes and and kind of our ability to defend the zone and all that stuff, when it's McKenzie and Alier and Co in there, there seems to be a little bit more happening down there. And you know we're not even using Darcy Burn Jones down there at the moment, which applaud uh, us to Burn Jones for uh, another great performance up forward with two goals. Um, again, in a game that was rough conditions, you know, he, he stood up early and, and, and kicked truly. So uh, fantastic for Burn Jones. And maybe this is just the uh, maybe it's just the Burn Jones assance at the moment with um, him redeployed as kind of that, that forward role, um, which we were trying with Lockie Jones earlier this year. And maybe it's Burn Jones' role and we're very lucky down. I don't know. 
um, but fantastic for him. But yeah, it's just the the structure seems to be. Again, I'm I'm a little bit worried about the the lack of size, but the structure overall over the last couple of weeks has been, um, you know, we're not giving up. We didn't, you know, the amount of goals we gave up in those two losses was, I think I've said before, it's 39 goals in two games. In unforgivable stuff. Those numbers are just tragic. But in the last couple of weeks, we've only given up 20 odd goals, I think, um, without, you know, off the top of my head. So, you know, I've halved that in two weeks against two quality sides. Um, you know, the SCG at their on, on their ground, Sydney on their ground, and and pretty. Com- completely neutralising their main target threats. Um, even Papley, who uh, clearly was... He was in form when he was playing us, but we, we just contained him to a couple of goals and, and, and limited his influence. But he had a great week this week with six goals and a fucking a shitload of disposals as well. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Franklin and McDonald were unsighted. And apart from Waitman um, getting off the hook and, and his fucking dick got off the hook as well, apparently... <laughs> You know, we, we largely contained the dogs as well. So the structure, like I said, size is an issue for me, but the structure overall seems to be working. So it'll be interesting to see what we do once we start getting some of those guys, start trying to redeploy some of those the likes of Cleary and Jonas back in there and how that's going to work and if it'll work. Um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a question to be asked. Um, and I guess we'll see our answers in the subsequent weeks. Uh, but overall, really happy with it again, just to finish off. Um, I think, you know, like I said, my main ma- mantra after those pretty um, diabolical losses that we've had uh, in those first three weeks was uh, I wanted to see a response and I wanted to see a little bit more of a return to the football that we love. And and more than that, we've seen a response from the players, but we've seen a response from the coaching as well, both in on-field and then how his messaging has been offered. He's slightly, ch- you know, him going off script a little bit to deliver an impassioned defense of his players at the press conference was really um, a sight to behold for me. Um, and I'm really impressed with what Ken's done. You know, we've got to call it like it is. You know, I'm not, not going to be a dickhead like those ones on Twitter that um, saw someone this week that said a fucking flag wouldn't even change Hinkley's history. And I'm like, that liter- literally changes history. A flag is what we're in this for. So just some people have gone too far into the abyss about how much they hate Ken, whereas it's just really, it's really just where it's a results business. And um, yes, whether he's gotten the, the a, a length of leash that is unprecedented, yeah, that's true. But while he's here, I'm never going to root for Port losses. So um, I'm happy with the response over the last couple of weeks from both the players and the coaching. And, um, you know, we'll, we need to continue to see it. We've got the West Coast Eagles coming up. They're in a world of hurt with injuries and all that stuff. And um, considering our preseason game against them, it'll be really interesting to see how we've grown from there. And, and you know, because this is a game that uh, after the past couple of weeks, this is a game that we're absolutely favoured to win. Um so we want to we kind of we probably want to see a little bit more of a dominant performance this week, but um, and that'll be a next next step in the responses that we're requiring from um, the little abyss we fell into after the the, uh, the uh, Crows result. So yeah, um, fantastic result um, in in what we're again I'll say it one more time tough conditions, but um, you know you've got to get the re- you got to get the results however you can. And like last week we we found a way to win, and this week we found a way to win. And I think we just we you know like I said last week we're lucky. Uh, even though, you know, win's a win to win a win in is a win. Um, but, uh, you know, this week I think we deserve the result um, based on the, the way the game went. Um, we held off a couple of advances from the Western Bulldogs and ultimately came home with the came home with the wind in our sail and, and really dominated that last quarter with some, some key players, key young players like Horn Francis and, and Todd Marshall really playing a part. And uh, obviously Zach Butters in one of his best games for the club. Really good, really good areas, three and two after five weeks and a pretty tough five weeks as well. So, um, yeah, got to enjoy it. Let's go. Can the pair.